Blog Talk Radio. You are now tuned into Kings of Non Sequitur. Any topic, any subject, anything goes with your host, Jay and Trey. Hey, welcome in. You've got, indeed, Kings of Non-Sequitur, the off-season version of In Much Detail, the podcast. We are here with you live on a Sunday night, 29th, 2021. I'm Dre. He's Jay. One more show to get in real quick before the fall season starts. Less than two weeks away from the NFL returning in regular season action. Of course, the preseason has been going and is really coming to an end uh, as of today because they've cut down the preseason games. You only get three this year instead of the normal four. Then they get next week off to recover, and then the real thing starts in a couple of weeks. So we're getting in our last little show for the offseason before our NFL preseason preview show coming up next week. Jay, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm well. Uh, hopefully nothing uh, weather-wise uh, go sideways here tonight, but I do want to mention and forewarn that, uh, of course, we know about Hurricane Ida in New Orleans uh, just destroying the town right now, one of our favorite towns, and unfortunately getting just destroyed and all the energy is out down there and it's it's just awful. Um, we've got some storms uh, coming through down here in, in Memphis where I live, so uh, we've had some tonight and probably going to have a lot more and a lot worse in the next couple of days, but just in case something goes weird tonight, something, you know, there, there's the slightest chance that we might have something where, that knocks me off the air. That's happened. Uh, it has. The last time it was really bad storms. Uh, I got knocked off right in the middle of the show and had to call back on the phone. So uh, just just be on the, on the alert if something goes crazy like that. Yeah, I was watching the a lot of the coverage today at work, um, you, know, watch, you know, watching the watching all the goofy guys on the Weather Channel stand in the wind. That that's exciting mm-hmm. television, but you know, it, it hey, it's something. It's 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 reality TV, and uh, catching a little bit of it uh, this evening, I could see that. Yeah, there, there there's bands coming off of that storm running through your area. It, it's just crazy mm-hmm. how how wide sweeping the effects can be uh, from something yeah. that is you know, I mean, hundreds of miles away from you going on right now, and that there's so much you know energy that these storms create that it, that it can actually spiral off thunderstorms, you know, multiple States away. Uh, that's, that's, that's the power of nature right there. You know, yeah, I saw maybe like an hour, hour and a half ago, I saw one, uh, a pretty nasty looking, uh, line of storms blow through your area. Right. Um, and this is going to be much worse uh, from what I see in the next couple of days. So, uh, yeah. whatever, Whatever we got today was already is already sort of died down and, and gone away, but it was kind of kind of hairy a couple of hours ago, um, and then tomorrow and Tuesday is supposed to like really be the the big ones. So not yeah, not looking forward. I know that. you're supposed to get a lot of rain. Now you're not going to get. Uh, I don't think you're going to be getting like the the two inches an hour of rain that they're talking about down there right now. Not and, quite. You know. Yeah, you see in all the all the video of places that were, uh, you know 
perfectly dry, and then all of a sudden they cut to the like the before and after, and then they show the after, and it's underwater. So, right. You know, Colin Kaepernick's just got to stay out of these towns. <laughs> the, the storm is still coming. Wait, I, he did that <laughs> many many years ago. That the hashtag storm's coming. <laughs> Uh, I, hopefully that's not any. I don't think he has anything to do with that anymore. Oh, it's not oh Houston, okay, right? Okay, yeah, we we never forget. That's right. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't take much to knock out our power down here. So even if it's not that bad, I'm actually kind of anticipating not having power coming up in the next couple of days yeah. because it doesn't take much. Uh, at least yeah, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it on the last show or the show before that, but we were on vacation. And while we were on vacation, a storm, really bad storm, blew through the town I live in, and it knocked our power out for three days, almost, wow. or two full days at least. It was like forty-eight hours, but you know, it was the length. It was it was across three days because I think it went out on a Wednesday and came back on a Friday. Um, but yeah, almost. I think it was forty-seven, forty-eight hours without power. And then in but the, you guys uh, weren't 12, there. We weren't home. <laughs> My mom was wow. here. Oh no. <laughs> She was dog sitting. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm glad she was here because she was at least here to throw away all the food in our refrigerator. Right. And uh, to take care of the dog. So she got to sit through. But she had no air conditioning, so I'm sure she was miserable. That that couldn't have been fun to sit through. But, yeah, no uh, no power here for two. Never never had happened that bad. And I'd lived here, I've lived here 12 years now. Yeah. And... I mean, most our power would usually go out for, if it ever goes out, would be, you know, hour, maybe max. You know, most mm-hmm. of the time it would go out and come back on 10, 15 minutes later. To, so to be out for two days. Uh, and it's funny because the cabin where we were staying on up on up north on Lake Superior, we lost power for uh, oh, 12 hours from the same storm. Wow. So the storm basically the storm. came down. It came from the north and blew through. Um, where we were staying, knocked our power out for 12 hours, and then it came all the way down, you know, 200 miles uh, farther down to where we live, and knocked the power out for two days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's, it was wild. It reminds me of when I first moved here, and we just happened to lose power. That first two or three days that I was living down here after you helped me move yeah. down, uh, we lost power from from some big storm for like two or three days, and uh, we've lost power many times since then, like probably over a dozen, but never for that long. You know, that was yeah. just I'm like I'm sitting there like I can't believe I'm in the middle of the the mid south with all this heat and have no AC for however many days this is going to be, and then had no. Uh, food uh, uh, as far as out of the fridge to eat, had to go, you know, get something every night or get something delivered. And I'm like, what, what kind of sign is this? I just got here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> what is going know, we're, on? We're Chicagoans. So we're, we're familiar with some, some good thunderstorms, but those, those Chicago thunderstorms got nothing on those Tennessee thunderstorms. Yeah. And it's the, the power going out so easily. Isn't yeah. It? me off because I can count on maybe I don't want to say one hand maybe uh, maybe two hands but it wasn't very many times that, that my my house lost power in the you know 18 years that I lived in the same house growing up in Chicago it wasn't yeah. that many times and we've already passed that number of times in the 10 years that I've been living down here so 
I don't know what's the, what the deal is out here, but it, ma- it makes me appreciate ComEd more in Chicago, I guess. So uh, <laughs> shout out to Com, shout out to Commonwealth Edison. You know, and it's funny because that takes me back to that day driving home after I I moved you in. Yeah. And that drive back from from Memphis up to home here and up in Wisconsin, and I remember uh, driving back that day and listening to the radio and having my phone and, you know, the phones weren't quite as advanced that we had, you know, 10, 12 years ago as they Mm. are now. And, uh, I remember tornado warnings everywhere as we Mm -hmm. were driving back that day through Illinois. And and it felt like we were just literally like every town we drove through that town 10 minutes later was having tornado warnings. So we were literally driving ahead of the storms all the way home. And then the best part of it was by the time we got to Madison, uh, we were in an ice storm. Oh, jeez. You were in a Gary Sinise movie and you didn't even know it. Yeah. So we started off, we started off, you know, Memphis, humid, get into Illinois, tornadoes forming, all over the place. I mean, just it was just dark clouds and nastiness everywhere. And then, yeah, we hit this like bank of fog in northern Illinois and then just drove back into winter. It, it was the most right. surreal day of driving ever. And, yeah, I get to Madison, stop for dinner, and uh, debating whether or not we should drive the rest of the way home because we were driving through ice storms. Eesh. Yeah, that was a wild day. And that was not on a lot of sleep. <laughs> I'm, uh, yes, I'm... <laughs> aware of how little after sleep that ribs, was uh... after eating ribs half asleep at the end of my bed at like one o'clock one thirty in the morning after getting you uh all all, all set up mm-hmm. turning around yep. like 6 a.m to drive home because it's, it's not a short drive from memphis to central wisconsin no clearly if you're going from yeah. uh the humidity of memphis to ice storms obviously you're yeah. quite a quite a ways away that was some fun. So, so good memories. Good memories there. <laughs> good times. Yeah. For any of you not uh, aware of how quickly it can it can get really really frigid in the in the north, um, that just reminds me of yeah. the uh, the time that I flew from Chicago to Minneapolis on New Year's Eve, the first time um, that I went to meet this young lady that I was dating in, in Minneapolis for a while, and getting on the plane in the uh, low. 50s uh, going from Chicago to Minneapolis, a one-hour flight. We're not talking like a, a whole lot of uh, distance. One-hour flight from Chicago to Minneapolis, get off the plane, 19 degrees. Yeah. I was like, ah! <laughs> that quick. It, it got, it, it was, uh, and I wasn't ready. I was not, uh, as far as the, 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 the coats and the clothing and the amount of uh, uh protection that I had on, I, I, I wasn't, I was ill-prepared. I had no idea it was, it was going to be that, that cold. So it can get really <laughs> bad really quick. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it changes fast. You know, well, Chicago and Minneapolis, yeah, it's a 57 minute flight. I've taken that flight several times. Uh, but you know, in a car that's seven hours apart. So. Right. Right. Um, it, it seems, you know, much shorter because it's such a short flight, but yeah, if it you were is, driving, it, it, really it would be. Is. I'll never forget yes. the first flight back from Minneapolis to Chicago because I was doing this um, for my job. You know, I don't like to fly, so I don't fly for fun. So I was flying for work, and I had to take a flight from Minneapolis to Chicago. And I remember 
plane takes off, you're flying down the Mississippi River, you know, it's the seatbelts on, captain uh, takes off the seatbelt thing, and then a couple, maybe two, three minutes later, uh, you know, all of a sudden you, the plane level's off, you know, and he, he announces, like, oh, this is the captain speaking, we are at uh, 30,000 feet, and no joke, two minutes later, all of a sudden you feel the plane start going down, and then, oh, this is the captain speaking. We're beginning our descent into Chicago. Like, what? What? <laughs> what? what? So you're literally at altitude for about five minutes because you literally just yeah, go I up remember. and go down. <laughs> I remember. Those are, those are fun flights to me. They, uh, you, you get up. Yeah. The ladies come through the aisle and, and get your drink order. They, you know, takes. 10, 15 minutes for them to get the drinks, bring them out, give them to you. You, you suck down your apple juice or your Sprite yeah. or whatever you decided to order. And next thing you know, okay, we're about to land, everybody. <laughs> for somebody like All me right. who hates flying, I, I appreciate, you know, a less than an hour airtime. Uh, so what's the longest flight you've ever been on then? Uh, oh, man. Well, we've flown to the West Coast before. Okay. So we, I'd say, like longest straight airtime was probably that flight that we took from uh, Minneapolis to San Francisco for our. Uh, it was either it was it Appleton? I forget which one it was. No, Appleton. We flew from Appleton somewhere. That was in the dead of winter, so that wouldn't have been our honeymoon. And no. so yeah, I think our, I think our, our. Uh, that's right. Our honeymoon was when we flew, we had to do the, the, the short flight from central Wisconsin to Minneapolis and then get the connecting flight from Minneapolis to San Francisco. Okay. So that was, you know, so Minneapolis to San Francisco is probably my longest flight. However, when we flew out to uh, Reno, because we were on our way to Lake Tahoe, that was just, that was the longest trip by plane that we ever took because we took off, I think from Green Bay, and we were supposed to go straight there, but we were flying into such a strong headwind that we had to land in Kansas to refuel. Oh. And so you're just literally sitting on the tarmac, in like in, I think we were in Topeka or Wichita or wherever the hell we were, just sitting there waiting for the plane to refuel. And then the plane takes off again, and then you're just flying into this horrible headwind. And it, it took forever. That's all I'm gonna. That's all I remember was that <laughs> two-leg flight that was supposed to be a direct flight was just like it, it it really felt like it was never going to end yeah especially in, yeah. when the last leg of it's all at night so you have no clue you can't really look at anything you can look out of the darkness some darkness and light if you're lucky <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah so yeah so yeah but i'm not much of a flyer right yeah i, I would like to fly more but you know just not in the cars as far as, you know, finances and time off from work and whatnot. Yeah. But um, we're supposed to be going to Cancun uh, in a couple of weeks. So that'll, that'll be the longest uh, if we do make this trip. So that's, um, I was gonna say, that's still, that's still on for now. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, you know, of course, COVID exploding still everywhere, uh, but yeah, uh, from what I understand, we'll be able to get there as far as, uh, testing and, and making sure that we're not, you know, carrying the disease. Um, it, I guess we can fly in fine. It's just coming back to America. We're going to have to test and, and oh, be clear yeah. and make sure of that. Um, well, I'm sure so, there'll be worse things than, you know, you 
get it for a few days. Do you have to stay in, in Mexico? Uh, hopefully it will be beach. something where we're, we're, yeah, we're at the, whatever resort that we're, uh, staying in that uh, yeah. you know, the accommodations will be something that we can, uh, we can take care of and, and it won't bankrupt us, wouldn't bankrupt us too much, uh, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> right. the, the, the way my wife is, as far as, you know, trying to stay healthy and avoid this thing with all the mask and the gloves and, and protecting yourself and whatnot. I can't imagine uh, if we're going to get it, somebody's basically walk up to us and, and like blow in our face. Cause we're not going to be uh, hanging around anyone too long to, right. to be catching and picking it up. And we're going to be completely masked up and we're going to be, you know, she's got goggles even she's trying to avoid it, you know, getting into her eyes. She, she's just trying to avoid everything. Um, and really, I don't think she would uh, probably mention this on the show before, but she's not trying to like travel around in the middle of this COVID stuff, but uh, being able to earn uh, certain perks and trips as a result of the, the, the studying and the work that she does with these different uh, travel agencies. Um, these are trips that she's uh, winning and, and earning, but there's a time constraint on them. So we have to basically take them the, the trip to grief that she, uh, yeah. that she, took uh, this summer this was something she had to do you know at that point or else it was going to expire this trip to cancun i don't think this is something that would expire but it, but it is something where i know we're going to two resorts we're not going to just one because she's actually checking out and working the uh the, the resorts and, and you know studying them and trying to figure out um how they operate and and you know, being able to recommend their services and stuff like that. So we're actually going to be going for three days to one resort, packing up and getting out and going to another resort for three days. Uh, So so, so it's a work trip. Business trip. Business trip. I I see your scare quotes. We're not doing a video podcast, but I see your, your scare quotes up there. Um, (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's on for now. Um, Of course the COVID is a concern. Now the weather is a bit of a concern. We've never really wanted to go, you know, to the Caribbean in fall. Hurricane season. That's exactly right. It's hurricane season. So, we're doing, but we're doing it because of the you know time constraints. Uh, I know the cruise next month that we're supposed to be going on for our honeymoon. I know that's something we have to take before the end of the year. Lose that that one, and that's a that's a cruise. That's a free, you know, yeah. five night cruise. That's definitely not something we're trying to give up. So, yeah, we're we're on for all of that. Well, uh, I've got at the moment. I've, I've got I've got two co-hosts on standby. Yeah, get get them ready they, for uh, they're excited for the week. Week two show is going to be uh, when we're when I'm not going to be around. So that's yeah, they're they're very excited uh, to to you know, they're like, how are we going to do this? I said I'm just going to put the open mic on the desk and have at it. And then their, their voices be, will will pick up, I'm sure. Oh, I have the uh, I actually have a uh, an actual you know one of those ball blue uh, whatever microphones, you know. Yeah, what I, I used to use it when I was down in the basement doing the show down there because it was you know it's carpeted down there and it's you know it's quiet, so I was able to have that. But yeah, that open mic picked up a lot. I remember it used to pick up uh, my washing machine going off. Mm-hmm. I remember. That. <laughs> so I was yeah. able to hear. I'm like, wait, um, yeah, you got to yeah. go get your laundry. <laughs> Hang on, I got to go get my laundry. Yeah. So yeah, I'll just put the microphone on the desk and I'll have the you know the me and the 
you know, the and the cute factors here all huddled around the desk area here because now I'm upstairs. I've turned this into more of an office space. So uh, we'll, we'll have fun with it. Don't worry. Don't you worry. I'm sure you'll have a good I'm listen. <laughs> so there's another free endorsement. Shout out to, to Blue Yeti microphones. Uh, quality, quality yeah, work. They are very quality. Mm-hmm. My wife bought this one for me uh, for Christmas, I think, three or four years ago, and it's, yeah. it's still going strong. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure. I don't think I have. I don't know if mine's the Yeti, um, but it's 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 nice. It definitely does the job. So I got. I'll bring that up here and plug it in and have that going, and then we won't. None of us will have to be sitting here wearing you know a headset. As long as I know I'm being recorded and the mic is open, we'll be good. I yeah. can't guarantee that we won't get like the dog barking, <laughs> right, you know, or any of that stuff going on. But I, I'm sure. I, I'm sure those two on a hot open mic. Um, will be quite interesting. <laughs> Can't guarantee it's going to be a, a two-hour show, right? But we'll get in and we'll get out. We'll do we'll do our thing, and I'll get your picks read, and I'll probably have some guest pickers, of course, uh, that week as well. Yep, I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be ready. I'll, I'm planning to take the computer <laughs> with me and uh, sit up there and do my studying. Uh, that probably won't be my heaviest week of uh, breaking things down. I, I, I will probably. Uh, bore the children to death if I'm trying to break down the X's and O's for that show. Two with, uh, with, with, with little ah, there. Yeah, so the cover zero. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Jets' defensive techniques under Salah. Go, Trini. <laughs> Give them time. Give them time. Okay. Uh, so, has there anything that's been uh, that stood out to you in this uh, truncated preseason with the the only three games uh, uh, out there for each team? Yes, I hate it. <laughs> okay. It, no, I, you know there used to be structure, right, to the preseason, so you knew you were going to see like the ones on the ones for you know a drive, then you'd see them for a quarter, then you'd see them for a half, and then you wouldn't see them at all, right? That was the four game trend, right? With the three games now, everybody, it's, you know, it's every man for themselves. Every team is just trying to work on the things that they want to work on. So you're getting these, these preseason matchups that tell you nothing because you see ones against threes, you know, <laughs> and, and or threes against threes, <laughs> threes yeah. against fours. Um, so there's, there's, no, there's no flow to any of these games, you know? So when you look at the stats, you can go, okay, so, so this guy looked really good. Oh, wait, but he was playing against like the, the JV league defense. Right. Oh, okay. So there's a lot more like detail. Like you really have to be more like keen to the details. Uh, really, I'm not paying any attention to any of the media surrounding this preseason on purpose because I don't want to get caught up in any of this false hype, you know, where somebody's sure. going to be like, oh, you got, well, watch out for this guy. He, 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 this. Yeah, it's a guy who did a bunch of stuff in garbage time in a meaningless game against a bunch of nobodies. I'm not going to get caught up in the hype. So I'm really trying to stay away from the hype machine this preseason and just, you know, I'm looking at the scores. I've been watching some of the replays, and I'm just trying to take that for for what it is. I'm trying to just take things at at face value, but with a massive grain of salt. Sure, because all of those uh, 23 
uh, quarterbacks that got drafted in the first round this this past uh, April, or it felt like it was 23 of them, all of them have looked really good at different points during this preseason, sure. and all of them have been playing against the fours. So what yes. do, what do you know? What how do you right. what do you what do you ascertain from that? Right. I I, I watched I watched the uh, well because it was obviously it's our market, so I watched the uh, beginning. I was at work, so I watched that Bills Packers game. Yeah. Yesterday and watched the first drive. Where, where I mean, first two drives, Josh Allen just completely chumped the Packers' defense. And then you realize the Packers were playing absolutely nobody on their defense. Mm-hmm. So it really was just glorified practice for the Bill. It was just a tune-up. Just there was part getting, of me getting work in. Yeah, and I'm watching this. So I watch Allen. First of all, I'm stunned that Allen's even in the game to start. So I'm like, oh, boy. Project's going to get hurt. Here we go. It's going to be Mitch Trubisky now, all year. Oh, and and he, he just goes down and carves them up. They score a touchdown. So me, my coworker, I'm like, oh, all right, he's done. Nope, they brought him back out to go down and carve them up again. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, okay, what are you learning if you're either team? You know? Mm. So I, I really think for some teams, like your veteran teams, this preseason was nothing more about finding who those last eight guys on your team are going to be, you know, and then there were some teams whose mission was to solve a quarterback quandary, right? Like with the saints or the Broncos or some of these other teams where they, they, they had a competition. And yep. so there was a little bit more, you know, trying you know, a little bit more try hard going on. So that's all I really, you know, take away from it. Or it's a situation where you draft a rookie quarterback and then you want to see if, you know, what we gonna are we gonna just run them right out of the gate? Are we gonna start somebody immediately? You know, so you have those teams that are so everybody was on sort of like a different mission this preseason. And I think that's just due to the fact that it's only three games, and all these coaches are trying to scramble to, to fine tune the rosters and make the decisions that they need to make versus the structured preseasons that we seem to have. Yeah, I'm with you there. There, uh, The goal of this preseason seemed to be try not to get anyone hurt. Yes. Um, so, so many veterans. It's, it's really difficult to – I mean, you can stop it. If they don't actually play, then they can't get hurt. <laughs> That's true. But then you run the risk that they go out into week one like we saw in week two last year and, and everybody's rusty and getting blowed up. I think you're. I think you were going to see that anyway, and I think you're going to see that even more so this year with this first ever. Uh, everyone has a bye week before week one situation. Yeah. I don't remember them ever doing that, where you go from the last preseason game to complete radio silence and a half uh, or two whole weeks, and then you actually start. I'm trying. The season. I, I'm trying to remember, but I believe when it was a four week preseason traditionally there, at least the last few years of it, all the teams played their final preseason game on the Friday. Giving them basically like nine or ten days uh, before the first game. Yeah, it was mostly on a Friday night. Tons of teams would play on the Friday night, and you'd have maybe one or two teams play on Saturday. I think you're right. And then, you know, but not what we have now, which is, they all take Labor Day weekend off, and then we get that first Thursday night game, and then we get those first rounds of games on on Sunday the twelfth. So yes, truly, two weeks 
now. Yeah. So another buy. I mean, we're talking about week teen now being wild card weekend time frame because that's like January 9th yeah, this year. That's, that's going to be crazy. <laughs> you know, the Super Bowl is basically Valentine's Day. <laughs> So, Push it farther and farther. They're going to make it yeah, in March. I would have rather seen a kickoff Labor Day weekend here, but you, I understand that's, they're not. That's college know, season. That's you college kickoff. College so that's all right. That's this is what this yeah. is the plan. That's fine. It's just it, more shows for us to do, right? Man, did the season seem long before? Well, guess what? It's getting long, I, and they're not going to be on. We, we talked about this in a previous show. They're not going to be stuck seventeen forever because that's a, such an odd. It's no, an odd number. Going obviously. To 18. Eventually, it's going to be 18 weeks or 18 games. I hate the whole idea of the nine and eight home away game. Right. It's so random to figure out who gets the privilege of nine home games and who gets the uh, the disadvantage of nine road games. Yeah, that's another reason it's going to be uh, not just because 17 is an odd number, but because you've got such a situation where people can legitimately – take umbrage and claim it's a disadvantage because we had to play nine road games versus these other guys that had to play eight and there's a beef there's there's a legitimate beef to that yeah we were talking about the falcons they have seven home games because one of their eight is in london that's right so the the london jaguars for one and and the london falcons for another right so you're basically talking about a team that's facing a 10 road game schedule against seven home games that does something you know, some doesn't seem right about that. And they have a legitimate uh, complaint. If they, they have sure a, a shit season, they they can blame it on that. And, and some people might say they're whining and, and bitching and moaning, but that's a legitimate situation. The professionals are not used to having to, you know, go for uh, one of their road games over to uh, another country, and that actually counts as one of their home games. And it's just, right. yeah. It only, it's, it's only it's fair. Crazy. It's only fair if it's the Jags because nobody cares. Of course. Because they're the London Jags anyway, basically. Right. Yeah, if you're, the, I don't even think it's something where if you complain about having a bad season, I could see complaining more if you or if you, if you miss close or if you get playoff seeded yeah. worse, you know, and you can point at the fact that you were basically saddled with three more road games and home games. No, it, it, again, it's, it's legitimate. It's a legitimate complaint. And there's there's, a, there's can, a valid reason why home road splits, uh, they're a real thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking it, about it, road rust and road golf. You know, the, the, <laughs> we don't talk about these things for fun or because we're trying to make jokes. It's in the stats. Yeah, it, every uh, even if the Falcons did make the playoffs, uh, yeah. every disadvantage would – you know, eventually, ca- you know, catch up to them. There's no chance that the Falcons are, no matter how good their season is, there's no chance they're making a deep playoff run cause, just because of their schedule. And they probably already know that. They're, they're dead men walking, basically. Yeah, and it's just they're, they just, they they drew the short straw, you know. And as long as they keep doing this imbalanced schedule, somebody every year is going to get sort of saddled with that. And you mentioned uh, the Jaguars uh, and, and this Urban Meyer uh, situation. Uh, it, it's not off to a great start. Um, there's already there complaints from players in camp uh, talking about how you know the way they're being run is basically like a college team with all the coaches with, with whistles and timers and trying to you know 
motivate them and push them, you know, as if they're a bunch of 19-year-olds, and they're like, dude, come on, man, this this is it's not supposed to go like that. Uh, the whole Tim Tebow experiment did not work out, as, as I could have told them it wasn't going to. Um, yeah, they're not off to a very good start down there. That, that season, that even though Lawrence uh, looks like the real deal again, every rookie quarterback has looked like the real deal because they're playing against mostly twos and threes. Um, but even with the real quarterback down there, it, it's not looking like it's going to be a fun season in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, just did we expect anything different? I mean, it, first of all, it, it's a joke franchise, right? They haven't been run particularly well. I think that the whole Urban Meyer thing going there felt a little gimmicky, you know. And we we usually, how often do we see this? work out with the big name college coach that goes to the NFL and really does make a big splash. I mean, uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Right. That's the first name everyone brings up. And is that the list? <laughs> uh, you know, you're not we, could name be able to whole, top... we could name a whole bunch of other ones that didn't work out. Right. We, 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 right, we, we, right. we could talk all about like Steve Spurrier and all the, mm-hmm. the God, I forget it. Uh, Bobby Petrino. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. You know, he basically quit on his team. Um, you know, Urban Meyer. Okay, Urban Meyer. Are you Jimmy Johnson, or are you Steve Spurrier and Bobby Petrino and, and was it Lou Holtz? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. It, it, just because you're a legend in college does not translate into NFL success. This is, you know, Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. So. The list of busts is much longer than the list of successes. Yeah, you're not going to be able to top the, the three championships uh, that Dallas had with Jimmy Johnson, although the last one uh, was, was Switzer, I believe. Um, yeah. But there, there have been – I mean, that was Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson's three? team basically just under a different oh, – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. That's like uh, John Gruden went in with Tony Dungy's players. In Tampa, that's all right. Right. But I'm sure there's been other college coaches that came in and had some success, but none of them, you know, did what Jimmy Johnson did. But yeah, you like you said, you can name a whole list of guys that came in and, and basically completely failed and flamed out. And yeah, Urban Meyer seems to be uh, already on the road to being one of those guys. Like, but in this day and age, I don't know why but Bill O'Brien. Guys- <laughs> Your boy? Yeah, yeah. I, I liked him too. I, I think he's. Oh, who is he? The, oh, God. Who is the other one? The, oh, God. The guy, the Notre Dame guy. That, uh, Charlie um, White. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. We, this is the thing. Is we I was wondering which keep, Notre Dame guy. Were you talking about him yeah. or Chip Kelly? Oh, Chip Kelly. We could just mm-hmm. keep mining the busts, of, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's plenty of them. There's yeah. a million of them. So Urban Meyer, odds are against you. <laughs> I I don't understand why you come in doing that college shit. Like, if you have any sense of history, you should know that's not going to work. You don't right. come into the NFL coaching these guys like they're they're like they're teenagers and they're grown ass men. Uh, I don't. I just don't get it. You you got to know by now that. Uh, treating these guys like adults and giving them proper rest and, and not trying to slave drive them 
uh, yeah. that's the way to go. You cannot come in and, and try to, you know, crack the whip and make these guys go, 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 go. And especially this year with the extra regular season game, like especially yeah. now, I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. Yeah. It works if you're coaching a bunch of kids who are going to be, you know, two and done or three and done and they're in the college environment, you know, but you're talking about like grown men yeah, playing a no. game for money, like actual money. I'm not talking about under the table, you know, booster money. <laughs> I'm talking playing for actual money and contracts and status, and you can get cut any time in the NFL. And, and that money, there's, these contracts ain't guaranteed. Hey, those college kids are playing for money now. They can make a thousand dollars with a local pizza company uh, off their name, <laughs> image, and likeness, and. and <laughs> From what I've been reading, that's just the death of college football. Oh, God. I'm, I'm so glad that we don't really get into the politics <laughs> of that on this show because you could, we could just devote an entire show every week to the joke of uh, the NCAA and their rules and, yeah, you know, all the money that they make off these players. Then they're going to act like you the know, world is ending because yeah, the players might actually gets, make a few hundred dollars on the side. Or somebody gets some free crab legs and now they're a pariah. Oh, Horrible. Horrible, horrible. Can't have that. Can't have the kids actually making money off their hard work. Like, why would we but, let them do that? What? If you like seafood, Jameis is in the right town. <laughs> Our guy. Wild he's, thing. he's in the house. I told you, cue it he's up. Ready. He, he got, first of all, I'm glad. I didn't think that should have been a quarterback competition to start. And then we, also yeah. good for him because he played really well in the preseason. That's where – the preseason mattered, right? You're trying to differentiate between, you know, make a major deci- major decision, and you have a, an honest competition. And and Jameis blew him out of the water. Taysom Hills. <laughs> I'm yeah, we so definitely... glad. <laughs> the mileage that we're going to get out of that drop. <laughs> we were with it. For, we had it first. We've been hanging on to that for a year. You told me uh, when Jameis first got that uh, eye surgery and first got ready to <laughs> get back on the field with, with his with his fixed eyesight after the 30 interception season. Like, yeah. get ready. He's got his glasses. He's going to be wild thing for Major League, and he's going to be yeah. ready to rock. Ricky yeah, Vaughn. Even... That's Jameis Winston. He's going to come out with – all he has to do now is come out with that haircut. <laughs> and then those glasses. If he, go, if he ever goes out on the field oh, with those glasses, we'll, <laughs> he we, comes we'll know out that he's a listener. If he comes out with the with the, the, the thick rim glasses that are taped together and the haircut. <laughs> we'll know that you he's know, a listener. Is an out, he's an out-there guy, so I, I yeah. wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, we definitely talked about how the fact that Taysom Hill can occasionally uh, do some things from the quarterback position that yes. are very athletic and very impressive doesn't mean that he's actually a quarterback. He's a gadget and, player. Yeah, and Sean Payton is got that kind of an ego that it really is believable that he might go with Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback for a whole season 
Uh, and I saw it in many places, including Peter King's column. I saw it in many places about how you got to like, got to look, look, look out for Taysom Hill. You got to be careful. He did go three and one as a starter last year in place of an injured Drew Brees. And you and I talked about it when it happened. Those three wins were all with big, big ass ass. Wait a minute. Now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm trying to remember, but I want to say those three wins were Atlanta, Atlanta, uh-huh, Denver. Uh-huh. Atlanta's awful falling apart defense twice was two of the two yeah. of the victories, and, and the third the biggest, one was the biggest joke game of the NFL season <laughs> against a Denver Broncos team that, because of COVID uh, restrictions, yeah. wound up starting a complete non-quarterback uh, at quarterback because yeah. they had literally nobody else left, and that win was just it was the biggest lock of the year of uh, number one. Uh, but it was a it was a fraud. It was a complete fraud. There was no way that the Broncos were winning that game over any professional team running that guy out there at quarterback. The the poor I think his last name was Hinton. That poor kid that yeah. had zero quarterback experience at the pro level. Last time he played quarterback was in college and he was terrible. And that's why he wasn't Wake, Wake Forest, I believe. He was a terrible quarterback at Wake Forest. He was a string wide receiver with the Broncos. And they were like, um. Anybody in this room ever play quarterback? You okay? You're the starter. Go get him. Like what? And, and the uh, the sad part about that game, if because I remember because I watched some of that game because just with that morbid curiosity, you know, mm-hmm. because you just you knew you were going to be watching a train wreck, was that Vic Fangio's defense had really sort of figured out Taysom Hill could only Taysom Hill cannot throw to the outside. Everything that he throws is between the between the hashes. That's his whole game. And you could see that for the first few drives, like, oh, oh, the Broncos have this figured out. But since they were playing, you know, a, a JUCO league basically level quarterback, they had no chance. But you could see that the defense was like, oh, I was like, they, they've got this Taysom Hill guy kind of figured out. And, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, it did not show up in the box score. He can't throw to the outside because he, because he's not an NFL quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Jameis Winston. <sighs> you know, people want to rag on him for the thirty interceptions. Forget that this is a guy who throws for you know four or five thousand yards and a lot of touchdowns. And the interceptions may well go away because of the, the, the eye surgery. We make fun of it, but it, yeah. it may be all the difference. <laughs> and. He's probably, and he's got Sean Payton as his head coach. That's right. That's a very key point. I, I don't know where I'm putting them in my uh, preseason, but I don't know if I'm going to have them falling quite as far as yeah, a lot I, of other I, people. I'm totally with you. I don't think that this is just massive drop-off, they fall off of a cliff-type uh, season for the Saints because Drew Brees physically fell apart. I mean, and yeah. even worse than they had let on, which I'm surprised. I am stunned that there was no, you know, punishment handed down for that. With the amount of injuries, it turns out that he actually was playing with. I mean, beyond the collapsed lungs. Yeah, the the, the body was an accordion, as you said. Yeah, and, and <laughs> the human accordion. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what happened to him when he got knocked out. When he got yeah. When he got sandwiched by those dudes, and yeah, that was like some cartoon level stuff. Yeah, like eleven of his ribs like stood all at once. 
Yeah, that's like the two wrecking balls come swinging in the cartoon and hit at the same time. That's kind of what <laughs> happened to Drew Brees. Yeah. Uh, so we're on football. I definitely had to uh, bring this up and, and play this for you. You were uh, had a very good show with your uh, football Hall of Infamy induction, and uh, you were talking about the quote, uh, the induction of the quote of uh, Pac-Man Jones talking about ah. uh, winning a Grammy. For, for acting and yeah. uh, for those who weren't completely aware of the context of that, I actually got the clip and, and here it is. Was Antonio Brown actually hurt? Man, Antonio Brown was not hurt. You think he was faking it? I know he was faking. Go back and look at the play. If you go back in slow motion to play, you tell me that, that uh, Vontez hit him in the head or did his shoulder pad barely touch him. So you think that Antonio Brown was acting like he was hurt to get the flag? Oh, I think he'd need a Grammy Award for that one. <laughs> I do. Well, we'll give him an Oscar. We'll give him an Academy Award there. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's great. I got yeah, got the big grin. But that that's that's uh, of course Dan Patrick uh, interviewing mm-hmm. him. Um, just want to give the credit. You know, I don't want to don't want to get uh, you know don't want that five dollars taken away. Last thing we need is this show demonetized. <laughs> well, uh, it's not like I asked Dan Patrick for permission for that clip, so if he wants to sue us, go ahead. But we That's we right. have nothing for you. <laughs> but yes, and you'll get about from, uh, three dollars and eighty-seven cents. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just giving credit, giving credit there. Um, sure. Yeah. No. A phenomenal, phenomenal drop there. So so good work. Oh, I think he'd need a Grammy Award for that one. <laughs> That's classic. Well, even got, I like it. You got to condense down. Yeah. So to. that's all we need. So we don't need the whole rest of it. We just need that part right there. Right. But I did so want to play can, uh, all yeah. of it for, for context for those who didn't yeah. know what the hell that was all about. You can play that. You can play that drop when I give the award out every year. <laughs> or if we have a, a really horrible instance of, uh, of, of faking, because we, we will call that out sometimes on the show. I believe Dan Carpenter, uh, got called out pretty bad on the show that one time <laughs> right. for uh, blowing out his ACL kick, and then it, and then, and then immediately when they didn't getting throw, up the kick again, and then immediately getting up and kicking a, a field goal again. <laughs> yeah, so Dan Carpenter definitely. Oh, I uh, think he'd need a Grammy Award for that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love it. I love it. That's great stuff right there, man. And, uh, and, and just to call him out for that. A, a, a play that you, you and I have both talked about how physically ill it made us. Oh, the the knockout of uh, Antonio yeah. Brown. That was uh, KTFO. That, I'm sorry. But apparently not. Apparently he was faking the fake whole that. time. You don't fake that. <laughs> he decided to go down and, and go to sleep on the field. He was just faking the whole time. He, he needed a Grammy for faking it. Uh, what? Look okay. Give, give him yeah. the Grammy. <laughs> Uh, so about the only other football stuff to watch out for for me this off season was all the Deshaun Watson stuff going on. Yeah. There's rumors yeah. of him getting traded uh, to the Dolphins. That's heating Which is up. Hilarious. Which is, yeah, so <laughs> Miami. First of all, if there's that's an so ounce of truth to that, if there's an ounce of truth <laughs> to that, how big of an indictment is that of Tua? Hmm. Yeah, we'll take this guy that has 22. Uh, sexual uh, assault complaints against him. We'll trade for that instead of yeah. going for the whole season. We'll trade for that guy. 
Yeah. Um, it, but that would be so stupid for the Dolphins to give up assets yes. for him because you don't so, know so, what the hell's going to yeah. happen. If the if the haul that I have seen reported, again, this is all gamesmanship right now between these teams. But if the haul that I have seen reported with the three firsts and the two seconds is even close, <laughs> That's even joke. close to what they're being offered. First of all, if you're the Texans, you just do it. Or if that's what, if that if that's what's being offered, but what they're asking for, then nobody takes that. No, there's no that, chance. There's like the I mean, best I, quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously you're not trading uh, Mahomes for anything, but pretty much outside of him, like only the best would get an offer of something like that. And Deshaun yeah. Watson, as great as he is, is not uh, he's not an elite quarterback. He's not the best of the best. If, he's, if he's I'm really the good. Dolphins, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm serious about this. I'm really, if I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm serious, and I'm the Dolphins, my biggest offer would be two, a, a one, and then a two the next season. That would be it. Mm-hmm. That's my <laughs> offer. And even that all, is... That's a lot. It's a lot, but that's not three ones and two twos. Yeah, that that just sounds like the Texans leaving that. Because if you make the deal, if you're the Dolphins, you're giving up on Tua. So you got to. He's got to be part of the trade, right? So he's a one, right? He was a fifth number five pick. Mm-hmm. And then you give him another one, and then like a twenty in twenty twenty three. There you go. That's what we offer for a guy who might be in jail a year from now, for all we know, yeah, or get out of the league, we, you know, because, you know, Fidel Goodell is going to come after him. Stealing my line. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, you know what? It's a good one, man. Imitation, <laughs> highest form of flattery. It's not, not even my line because I stole it from Dan Levitar, but I'm no. saying See? stealing my line because I got it written down right now that I was going to refer to that. Ah. Um, yeah, the fact that you don't – I'm not even offering that much because I don't know if the guy is ever going to be allowed to play again. I have no idea. No one knows because of Fidel Goodell uh, who might get to him and, and shut him all the way down. Yeah, um, and by the, absolutely. By the way, I want to make sure that I don't be uh, – that I'm not misunderstood. I'm not trying to talk about the morals of trading for a guy with 22 women – uh, alleging sexual assault against them because as, when it comes to wins and losses, I have no moral. Sorry, I know I can sound like a, a social justice warrior sometimes, but when it comes to victories and professional athletes, I, I don't care if you kill people. I want if you can win me games, I need you on my team. That's right. Yeah, we don't. We we don't. We, we when it actually comes to winning games, we don't care about that. We don't care about your your orientation. We, we, you know we, that that's not anything to do with the game. No, morals are, are fine, but if I don't win enough games, I'm fired, and I don't eat, and family doesn't eat, <laughs> Correct. and I don't have a house. I don't give a fuck. I, I need players on my team that's going to help me win because I need my job, all right? That's all I care about. Um, but the fact that he's got 22 allegations and, and accusations against him, yeah. if the law doesn't take a chunk of Deshaun Watson's life and career, Fidel Goodell will. 
that's why I can't make that trade. I don't care what the offer is. I'm not I'm not trading for a guy that I have no idea if he's ever going to be able to play for me. I I can't offer you more than like a four, honestly. Like, why would I yeah. offer real assets to someone who I, legit I might don't not know. play? And again, how much of this hype is just Deshaun Watson's camp and, and, or, or his agents or, or any of that to, to try to drum up something? But I, I, I think it's probably the, the Texans camp because you talk about poorly run organizations, those guys. Whew. Yeah. I, I actually think it's them trying to leak and, and they just traded literally today. They just oh, traded. Oh, we're about to, who's, we're about to kill them. Who's good? What's that? The uh, the D end. Yeah. Is that, yeah, just yeah. trade him to the Jets because um, the Jets. Yeah, the Jets just lost. Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on that that, that, that got hurt that they signed as yeah. a free agent red season and he tore his 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 leg up. So now they traded today for Shaq Lawson that's, uh, to that's replace the guy. Um, well, the Jets are a mess. Jets are just really losing everybody. Right, as always. Uh, but the Texans are clearly uh, open for sale and trying to, you know, figure out who wants to go and who, who wants to stay. They're, they're clearly, you know, trying to clear out whoever they, they want to clear out. So they're, I think it's them, you know, trying to push and, and make uh, everyone believe that they're open for business. They're trying to gauge the markets. They're trying to uh, push rumors out there and make make it seem like that they're active. And But I don't know. Uh, again, I, I just, just because of the uncertainty of the situation, I don't know how the, the Dolphins could be entertaining trading for Deshaun Watson at all, except they're the Dolphins, and they're they're also a mess. They're always finding the wrong thing to do. Um, so that that's yeah. why that's believable. Well, but Don't forget. Yeah. Let's all throw back now to the last time we saw Tua play meaningless, meaningful football, I mean. Uh I believe it was that Week 17 game against the Bills when the Bills were playing for absolutely nothing and all the Dolphins had to do was win to get in, and, it, and he shit the bet. He, he did. Um, never want to put too much on one game, but that that was that was that was an indictment. Plus, yeah, plus the fact that they needed to bring in uh, Fitzpatrick to bail him out. Uh, otherwise, they probably wouldn't have even been in that spot to win the last game to get in. But, yeah, but it, we also we, talked about the yo-yo experience of the coach. Like, the coach is wrecking this kid. Brian Flores does not help matters uh, treating him like a, a baseball pitcher that needs to be yanked when he gets in trouble. Like, <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't do that. No. No, you, you, you just – I hate to go back to it, but you got to just do the John Harbaugh thing, right, and just do it the way – he did it with Lamar Jackson, and like, this is your team, kid, for good or for bad. We're going to, you know, ups and downs, peaks and valleys, we're going to ride with you. And uh, they resisted the urge to go to the bullpen many times because there were times that I was even like, well, you could have brought in Flacco, and they didn't do it. And he rode with his guy, and, you know, Lamar Jackson, for the most part, has responded from season to season. Last year, not so much. But whatever good you've gotten out of Lamar, and he and, he, and I criticize yeah. him as much as anyone, but he's has played very very good football. At you wouldn't have gotten that if you were pulling him every time he got in trouble because he wouldn't have developed right. at all. Correct. And that's like and this is Brian Flores, who is a a defensive minded head coach who's not probably used to handling this type of a delicate situation with quarterback. 
So again, yeah. imagine now you're Tua, and whether these rumors are true or not, now you're seeing this, and you're like, oh, man, you know. I mean, how how long is it before mm. you're just like, man, you know, you know, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Trade me. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> We're, we're got a few things to look out for as the uh, as the season approaches. Uh, a Bears fan, I'm sorry, I'm still celebrating. I'm still look, and every time they put him in, he's like, oh, got something here. Got got, got some Justin Fields action. Looks like he's like he's got some real skills out there. He's, he's making plays and he's being elusive and he's dancing around or whatnot. So I'm still excited. I know he's not going to start the season. That's always been the plan. I understand that. There's only – I'm going to rain on your parade. I'm going to – yes, he will play, but I'm going to rain on your parade right now. One – Of course. Yes, he's played fine in the preseason. I'm not even going to, you know, dog on the fact that he's done a lot of it against garbage because that's that's preseason. But – I'm just going to say your your perspective of watching a Bears quarterback is a little skewed because <laughs> we, I know what you're used to watching. So any glimmer of hope is a glimmer. And I'll I'll give you that. I can't take that away. No, I'm going to say just I'm going to just put one name out there though to really rain on your parade. Uh, Matt Nagy. I don't know. I know they just had this. I know they just had this game where they looked a little bit better offensively that they played against Tennessee. But in those first two games, I think it was the first team offense had six points. Yeah. I mean, I mean the fact that he basically had himself and the GM run out of town on a rail, and then they get that three-game run to kind of get into the playoffs and saves his job, and then just decides. Well, you know what? I'm going to take the play calling duties back. I'm the I'm the marshal, and they take everything away from Bill Lazor, and, and now it's Matt Nagy. And I think Matt Nagy is going to be the ultimate undoing of the Bears. Not anything to do with Justin Fields, how good he is or not. I mean, Matt Nagy's not going to be there um, after probably this year. This year, Ryan he Pace. shouldn't be there now, and that's the mm-hmm. you know. The general that's the manager problem. Ryan Pace may not. Yeah. He was going to be there for a while. So I'm he still got the Dan Quinn. He's Justin's got the Dan Quinn there. leash this year. Uh, you know, Dan Quinn <laughs> had that run at the end of the previous season in 2019 that probably saved his job, and then they didn't yank him fast enough last season. I have a feeling that Matt Nagy is this year's sort of, you know, first man fired if things go south quick. If they're one and four, I think he's out. I think that's the whole point of drafting someone like Justin Fields that you can go one and four with Andy Dalton and go, hey, wait, we got this kid. Here we go. <laughs> Put in the kid and save the job and, and have that's, all the excuses built in. Right. I understand that if you're the coach or the GM, that he's sort of the safety net. So they can point they can point at Andy Dalton and go, oh, he's the problem, and now they're going to put in mm-hmm. Fields. But if that safety net fails too, you're gone. He gone. Yeah. So uh, I understand the enthusiasm. I, I, I'm not I, – I, I, yes, have I seen – from what I've seen of Fields playing, have I seen some things? Yeah. Uh, does, he, he looks like he could be with the right, you know, right players around him and some good coaching up, a competent NFL quarterback. Don't know how great – you don't know. 
I'm not, you know, going to go over the moon for any rookie quarterback because there's a rookie quarterbacks every year. How many of them actually pan out? They all look good, and they all look like they're going to pan out this preseason. So I'm certainly not trying to be rational about my excitement for, I, for I Soldier Fields. So I'm, I'm excited, excited for our show probably, uh, what, a week from Tuesday would be my guess when we do our season preview. Yep, well, we'll get all that figured out. Uh, more on our after show on our podcast version when we come back. And now into our VIP after program. Yeah, we always uh, figure out our uh, season preview uh, because we sometimes, you know, depending on our schedules, your work schedule, my work schedule, our home schedules, sometimes we do the preview over two nights where we do one right. conference one night and one conference the next. Sometimes we do it all in a big two-hour ball on the same night. So do you have a preference or, or something for next week uh, that you got in I- mind? I actually have uh, no preference. I'd be looking at we would be looking at the seventh or the eighth or the seventh and the eighth. And I honestly, those are my days off, so I honestly don't have a preference either way. So they have the Tuesday and Wednesday after uh, after Labor Day next week. Um, I think the motivation for me wanting to do it in one night has always been Labor Day. We don't do a show as we're spending time with our families. And then the Wednesday, the night before the season begins, um, usually I'm bowling, but I'm not bowling this season. So I guess I, we can split it up because I'm not going to be doing anything uh, you know, Wednesday night. So we can do Tuesday and Wednesday. Because that uh, two hours live is it's never enough right that's it's it's always funny because we get to the last half hour remaining and we've still got like two divisions to go yeah Yeah, i i I would be i honestly yeah i mean i'd be fine doing 90 minutes twice okay you know i don't i don't want to do two hours on each conference um oh no no but I, I figure if we do 90 minutes, that's four divisions. I mean, if we, that's, we're basically giving ourselves 20 minutes per division because, you know, the first 10 minutes of the show, we're just going to bullshit. So, um, right. you know, I'm talking about the weather. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you got to hurt, you know, it's pertinent. And uh, so, yeah, so if we have 20, you know, 20 minutes per division usually is going to be enough. There's, you know, and there's going to be some that we probably go a little longer on. There's going to be some – you know, where we're kumbaya, where it's not as exciting. So I could, yeah, I could easily do 90 and 90, you know, and then uh football party on the 11th. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds, sounds like a plan. That's just, that's just the, that's probably our most full week of shows uh, for, right. for the whole year, because we were all, we you know, with the big preview show, we do the pick because we don't really do the, the recap and the, you know, and, and the uh, pick show anymore. We just have the football party now, which I, I prefer. I, I think that's the, the format that we adopted the last year with the football party format. It just, it just has a, it, it works. It's not like it's been that long since the games have been played um, that the recap doesn't feel fresh. And then, you know, we can get right into the picks and it just, it just it, I like that. I like that setup better. Yeah, if you need your full breakdown of the games, you know, the next day uh, after they happen or two days later, there yeah. there's plenty of places out there for you to get that and probably a lot more, you know, 
frankly, a lot more intelligent and in-depth breakdown. Our breakdowns seem to be a little more on the surface or, you know, what we saw on TV and, oh, how could they have done that? You know, stuff like that. So, uh, I don't know. We, I, 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 don't, don't sell us short. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, we're not uh, uh, Bryce and Brooklyn. We're not breaking down the, the five technique. No, our, and, our, and if, the, I mean, if we had a sole focus that was the, just, if we were just on one team, and that was this whole show as we just talked about one team, um, yeah, we'd obviously be, we would be watching every game and, and we'd know the roster upside and down. Um, be able but, to tell you which team deserves to put in their second string defensive linemen to get up the get up field better than their their starters. Right. Uh, we we know the depth charts. We know all that. No, we're we're not going quite that that yeah. deep. Yeah, and, and I know you're wearing your your Bears blinders and drinking the Kool Aid. Let's go. This is. I, I will say you're not going to find a much more objective pair talking about. We we tend to not get homerish very often on this show when we're picking these games because we're, we're picking spreads. We're, we're not picking with our heart most of the time. You can't really pick spreads with your heart. You'll, you'll go broke even quicker than, than if you pick, uh, you know, objectively like we do. Um, yeah. We, you know, we, everyone has their blind spots. Everyone has their yeah. homerism, favoritism. Everyone has places where they lean and, and talk more in depth and whatnot. But yes, in general, if you're not, familiar with our show we're getting into every game and we're, we're really trying to figure out what's going to happen in each game we're not looking at it from necessarily the fans point of view we're not looking at it from our favorite team we're, we're looking at it more you know that's why we're in much less detail we're basically trying to come at you with okay realistically what's what's about to happen on sunday urban meyer is about to they're trying to coach his team like a college team what's really probably going to happen uh, when he takes the field out there trying to do that shit, it's probably going to be ugly. You know, whether you're a Jags fan or not, it's probably not going to be very pretty. And there's no uh, getting around that. Um, and if they do do well and turn it around, you got to you got to recognize, you got to give credit. You know, I think the one of the I don't know if it's the biggest turnaround that we had to give credit for, but one of the biggest in the entire history of the show is having to grudgingly accept that Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns figured out a way to win football games. I don't know exactly how they did it, but... <laughs> and, and, and you stumped me there because I thought you were going a totally different direction. Ah, there, there's, you, there's you are several correct. ways we could go there. You are correct, but I, you said we, and I thought, you know, and then I realized you, you weren't talking about who you were going to talk about, but if you had said it was solely on you, I would have said that would have been your your Josh Allen Project. sort of mm-hmm. mea culpa, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, we we've had to. I I haven't completely turned around on Baker Mayfield. I think he's a over hyped quarterback in a massively talented franchise that <laughs> just sort of elevates him more than he elevates them. But yes, they're not. It's not the Brown Fever anymore, like it used to be. <laughs> you know, it was the Brown Fever. Uh, for people who haven't listened to this show, is, is not a, an al- not an allegory for a good thing when you get no. the brown fever. No, I, I'm I'm not on the uh, Bluetooth headset, so I can't get up and run to the bathroom and flush the <laughs> toilet when I talk about the Cleveland Browns like I did uh, early in our podcast. Yes, but no. Uh, as far as 
guys that we just hated when they came in the league and said he's going to be yeah. shit, and then they turn out to be shit. They they turn it around. They play well. They get results, and we have no choice but to call it like we see it and say, hey, Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, they're not a shit team. They're pretty good. They're going to be a playoff contender again this year, and Baker Mayfield has played yeah. pretty good football uh, ever since, you know, it seemed like the Browns kind of tried to make it where, okay, the less we ask him to, to do, yeah. the less we ask him to, to throw the football, the better we are as a team. So, you know. They hide, they hid him. They, they, basically, they basically decided to just hide Baker Mayfield. Well, but that's smart. They used the, the one-two running back combination that they have, and they said, we don't have to ask Baker Mayfield to throw 35 times to win football games. And the times that we do ask him to throw are in situations uh, to his advantage, where it's not necessarily uh, passing downs. It's not necessarily where everyone knows that he's going to try to mark uh, Odell Beckham. You know, you don't have Odell Beckham a lot of times because he's hurt uh, a lot of times. Uh, but lot. the point is, they put him in situations where he had much better chances to succeed than he did when he first came there as the number one overall pick, and they were trying to ride him and have him win every game and it wasn't going to happen but you know the less they put on his plate and the more success he had and you know just i'm sure there's a lot of other situations that we could talk about project is, is one certainly but uh just because we hate a guy that comes in the league and think he's 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 overrated or overhyped doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye when he does turn it around and, and plays well uh i think to a lesser extent dak prescott fits that uh situation as well um we of course make fun of dag time where it seems like he doesn't play well until the fourth quarter a lot of games but yeah uh but the fact that he came in fourth round pick is going to sit behind tony romo romo gets his broken and, and retires in the preseason all of a sudden dak is the, is the starting quarterback i think we both kind of looked at you know with a raised He's eyebrow like <laughs> I mean, like, really? This guy's gonna be the the savior you know, and, of the whole and, and, franchise, and his, really? right? But to his credit, we don't pull out. <laughs> we don't pull out the the black Jesus that often on him anymore. Now it's just Dak time. <laughs> That's right. We'll have a musical uh, drop for that. Uh, but look, he has some games where he plays like a like a superstar. He um, does. And you just you have to call it like you see it. You have to acknowledge it. Uh, it, it he's sort of maddening to try to predict, and, and as far as point spreads and, and predicting games, because he has you know just as many games where he looks like, oh God, why did he do that? What is, you know, some really uh, poor decision making. Um, but look, he, he's been a Pro Bowl a couple times, and uh, he's earned it. He, he's got some some skills. He's got some playmaking ability. He's got some he's got some big ones. He's he got, got his bag. balls on him. And, and he's got the bag now. By, oh my God, that contract situation went forever and ever and ever. Uh, but he finally got the bag, and then promptly got his, his leg shattered. Uh, no, he, he actually he, he got he, the leg shattered first, and then he got the bag. Yeah, and they still paid him. Well, because if you don't, now you look like the guys who refused to pay him for three years, and then he got broken, and you threw him away like a like a you know like he's like Earl like Thomas he's trash, like he's Earl Thomas. <laughs> Uh, Earl Thomas's middle finger might uh, make a appearance in our in our Hall of Fame someday. Yeah, because I have a feeling that the actual Earl Thomas is making the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yes, one of one of the best to ever do it. Um, but yeah, 
there's guys that uh, come in that we don't necessarily like at all at, uh, at first, but you know, you prove it. Yeah, they grow on us. We give it up to you. Yeah, yeah. We have our we have our corollaries and our coaches that we that we that we sort of you know rag on some and we we uh yeah we have your, fun your here. Favorite down in Dallas. Oh man, <laughs> your oh, guy. Man. Is that Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn on the same coaching staff now? Oh. You're your two guys. I'm going to have so much fun this year. <laughs> now, wait a minute. There's a real good example of you obviously have issues with Dan Quinn as a head coach for your favorite team, the Falcons. But he's not the head coach now, right? So no. he should go in and, and have success in, in Dallas. You would think because this is up his alley, you know. Yeah. He, nobody's going to doubt his pedigree on the defensive side of the ball as a defensive coordinator. Um, I think he tried to sculpt that Atlanta defense the way he had in Seattle, but forgot that he didn't have Earl Thomas and Bobby Wagner and Richard Sherman. You know, you kind of that kind of helps. It's, it's easy to it's easy to mold the kind of defense you want when those are your guys. And I almost think he's getting a bit of a raw deal in that respect. I think he had a hell of a talented roster of defensive players in Atlanta. He did they it, just got yeah, hurt. They were just always hurt. They always, always were off hurt. The field. On paper, that Atlanta defense should have been, you know, just as good possibly as that Seattle defense, but those guys couldn't stay on the field. Unfortunately. So he gets another chance in, in Dallas as just the coordinator, doesn't have to be the head coach, doesn't have to worry about the whole team. Just. But when your head coach is Mike McCarthy, oh, that's well, gonna be, this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Cowboys are always fun. They're, they're always uh, interesting to break down. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get to all of that next week, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, our NFL preview shows. We'll do one conference on Tuesday and one conference on Wednesday, and we'll get everybody ready for the football season coming up in less than two weeks, just around the corner. Uh, so I've talked about uh, in my show preview, we haven't talked about baseball much uh, ever since the, uh, the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, and I know that's obviously going back, you know, a month and, and old news and whatnot, but I still wanted to bring it up just because of your perspective. If you, if you had any to, to talk about or add about seeing uh, specifically your favorite baseball team, Man. the Cubs and the way that they just completely broke everything down and sold off parts left and right. Uh, at the trade deadline, like I've never seen anything quite that like that. Sh- shameful, shameless gut. I, I don't know how you describe it. I mean, I guess there's that part of you that just sort of understands, you know, the economics of it. I guess you, you know, you, you're you're that franchise that always you know cries poor, even though you're one of the most money rich <laughs> franchises in baseball. Um, and you're staring at all these contracts about to expire. So you're like, well, we might as well get something if these guys could potentially all walk as free agents. So I, I guess you understand that, but to watch a team that basically two months ago was in first place or fighting for first place. And now is 22 games Mm. out of first, even though I don't mean to hurt myself and stretch my shoulder or hurt when I pat myself on the back too hard. I had them in fourth place before the season even started. <laughs> so I, I, you know, and, and the collapse. Did you have them all, dealing everybody on their team? No, I didn't have that, but the collapse had already begun 
before they dealt all those players. So it's not exactly like they were contenders. They had that run. They had that very successful run that they were not going to sustain where the bullpen was just lights out with just guys, you know, and, you know, and Kimbrell was building up his value. He's your problem. Now I don't have to worry about it. Um, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, you know, you, you, you watched a, uh, a window shut. I, I mean, have we seen a window shut harder on a team? I mean, I guess the Tigers had that window when it shut, but that was just because, like, everybody was old and broke down. That wasn't they just traded everybody and said, you know what, we're closed for business. Yeah. That window is shut. I thought you were going to play the old uh, law and order, like the cell door closing, because that's, uh, that's what the Cubs just did. They went from contenders to nothing, like, instantaneously. So, hey. Yeah. It's over. Uh, but All over. I still got a World Series. T- I saw something I never thought I'd see in my life. So I'll always have sort of those memories. But, man, it's going to be a long road back. It is going to definitely be a long road back. So enjoy some wooden baseball on your side of town because you're going you're gonna to be the one enjoying this ride for a while, not me. Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up. Just the R.I.P. to the to the Cubs to the franchise. The, yeah, painful, the, painful to watch. This I'm, roster, this roster that they're putting out there right now, this isn't even Triple A. I was just about to say that's that's the Double A. Uh, uh, this is worse. Whatever the Double A team is. <laughs> this is this is this is yeah. This is every other team's like castoffs now. There's dudes. Right who weren't even like good enough to be on bad teams that the Cubs have just decided that they're going to scoop up and throw out there every day to, to just go out there and get destroyed. I mean, I feel like Lee Elia right now. Um, <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and, and, and they deserve every bit of the scrutiny that they get this ownership, this franchise, the way that this is being run. I thought David Ross was a horrible hire. I, I didn't like that. I, I was on the record on this show not liking that hire. I thought that was a fan service move, and that to me sort of signaled the end, you know, after Joe Madden left. And I thought they really needed to sort of bring that team in, you know, get somebody in there that's going to be a little bit firmer with the hand on that team. They were The heads were getting a little too big. They were, you know, striking out all the time. Like, they knew better. They they really needed somebody who was going to come in there and take control. David Ross is not that guy. I don't think he signed up for this though. Um, you know these these this has turned they, they've Grandpa gone from Ross. being yeah they've gone from basically building a contender to becoming just a joke franchise and it's it's hard. Now I spent most of my life this way, so this is familiar territory. Um, but not to it's not to watch it end the way that it ended. Right, that that's was hard. The thing. That it's... was rough. That was rough. I was a huge, huge fan of this iteration of the Cubs. I'm not a yeah. Cubs fan in general, of course, but the way they put that together, the way they built from the ground up, the way they drafted well and brought all these kids at the not exactly the same time, but they staggered it out. Okay, now this kid's coming. Okay, now two months later, this kid's ready. And then two months later, here's another one. Just get all these guys up there, build it the right way, play the right way. Um, and everything was, you know, they got that, that championship out of them. They got MVP season out of Chris Bryant, even though he wasn't good enough to start his rookie year because Mike Holt gave him the better chance to win. 
Um, they still managed, even with faux pas like that, to bring everybody together to get the, the those are oldest Chapman, the, the the cherry on top for that season uh, to win the title. Even though he sort of broke down in the in the playoffs in the World Series, uh, it, it wasn't perfect. Uh, Joe Madden had some mistakes that he made managing mm-hmm. every, but they brought everything together, even with all the imperfections, to still bring the World Series uh, to the north side of Chicago for the first time in forever and ever. And I was a huge, huge fan of how they did. It got to watch a little bit of it as an outsider going to uh, AAA games and watching the Iowa Cubs come in down here in Memphis and seeing them. And and there's so many of those guys that I saw and I saw the the talent and I said, oh, shit, that's okay. That's a real one. Javi Baez and those quick hands, that's a real one. Even Addison Russell was a – a real stud when I saw him. Uh, I saw Rizzo uh, come through here when they first acquired him from uh, from the Padres, I believe. Of course, Chris Bryant. I talk about that all the time. Uh, he got to uh, to the Cubs his rookie year. He came down here and showed uh, his his hitting skills. Um, so many guys, even the you know the Al Moras and the guys that didn't work out necessarily, the Jorge Soler's guys like that. Um, even them, I saw the talent. I saw okay. I see why they drafted him, I see, oh, oh, he might really be a a, a real good one. Um, So, yeah, I was a huge fan of them and the way they put it together. And then the way they just tore it down so quick, they they get the the hot star, like you said, to the season. And they're contending, and they look like they're going to have one last run, one for the road. Then they get to July, and they're sort of dragging and and chugging, and it looks like they're they're starting to, to break down a little bit. And before you know it, the all-star break comes and they don't play that well out of the break. And it's like, okay, that's it. Get rid of everybody. Just pennies on the dollar. Uh, goes, there goes Baez. There goes Bryant. There goes uh, Rizzo. Just, just all of them. Just everyone except Wilson Contreras. They they basically just threw away and said, okay, we're, we're done. We're, the whole thing is over. We're getting rid of everybody. And you hit the nail on the head of why that was so odorous and why that's such a disgusting move for them to make because they're doing that to save money for a franchise that prints money. So what the fuck are we talking yeah. about? Like, what else do you have to do around Wrigley Field to make more revenue streams for your franchise? They've got literally millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars coming in every day, uh, not just with the ticket sales in the stadium, which I'm sure are astronomical by now. I don't remember the last game I went to at Wrigley, but I'm sure the price to get in is just just crazy. Um, but now with all the, the stuff around Wrigley, um, th- there's so much money that the, the Ricketts family brings in for, for that team. There's no salary cap. You can pay them however much you want. You can be the Dodgers. The Dodgers are paying whoever wants, whoever is good, whatever money you want. Here, take it. Um, we got so many players on our roster and now we get to the trade deadline and oh look we can add not just Max Scherzer one of the best uh right-handed pitchers uh of this generation but oh and we'll throw how about you throw in that Trey Turner guy like one of the best all-around players in baseball throw him in too we'll we'll find a place for him in the lineup too like there is no such thing as as enough for the Dodgers because you can do that you can you can do you know basically what the Yankees used to do uh, which is just whoever's the best players out there, we're going to throw all the money at you and you're going to come play and, and we're going to win whatever we can win. Um, and you admire that because you know that uh, they can do that in that sport, that there's no cap. And, and basically 
all those other owners. There's, you know, there's only a couple of owners in baseball that seem to want to do that. And all the other 28 are basically just sharing revenue with each other uh, and, and trying to spend as little as possible and just keeping it all to themselves. And it sucks. It, it's, it's bad for the game as far as I'm yeah. concerned. So no, I, I, that's why I, I agree. Like it. And, you know, and I remember, you remember, because we've been doing this show long enough when, when, when Theo Epstein came on board and they, and he did the teardown, right? Right. You remember, I was enthusiastic for that, right? That, that mm-hmm. was a team that had always just sort of preyed on being like mediocre and it never really just tore everything apart and tried to start over. So I was very on board with the Theo plan all because you could see there was a plan. Like you understood why they were making the moves that they were making. These moves that, that, that Jed Hoyer made, and I don't care if he was Epstein's, Epstein's protege or whatever the hell you want to call it, there's no plan, and there was no because if you had a plan, you would have looked at these guys. You would have looked at Rizzo and Schwerber and Bryant and Rizzo and Baez. You would have looked at that core and said, "Okay, we can. We're going to extend two of these guys, right? Who are we keeping, right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna build around Wilson, and we're gonna keep a couple of these other guys. We're gonna give them the." We're going to give them their bag and we're going to let a couple of these other guys walk or we could trade them and, you know, we could pick up some pieces or try to read it. They just, they just said, ah, just boom, blow the whole thing up. No plan. The, 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 I see no plan. Yeah. It's like the nineties and 2000 Cubs all over in the, the, the Chicago Cubs. There's no plan. That's what it felt the, like. The, yes. And so this off season, I am going to probably be watching with the most interest for them of any off season that I've watched since back when, when Epstein took over, when you were starting to watch all the machinations and the little trades, you know, and they make the trade for Rizzo and, you know, you know, they make the trade to get Hendricks and all these little moves that they made with the, you know, the, they don't seem to have the same, you know, talent evaluators and and players (laughs) because a lot of these guys who they got in these trades did not impress me. I remember when they made the trade and we talk about Addison Russell, even though he, you know, he flamed out and he had personal issues, but he had the talent. And I remember when they made that trade with Oakland, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, he's a player, right? You got somebody for him, you know, when they, right. when they made these deals and the, most of these guys you know, outside of them trading for uh, that kid from the white Sox, who's hurt, who's actually playing decent before he got hurt. Um, the Madrigal, Oh, yeah. probably the best player they got out of all those trades. And it was for Kimbrell. It wasn't even for one of the core pieces. If not magical, it's going to be the uh, kid that might be their closer. Higher. Yeah. Hewer. Right. Is it, is it newer or higher? Hewer, higher, whatever. I, I don't, I don't even, <laughs> I haven't watched. So when I see them trotting out there, a, a lineup of Michael Hermosillo and Frank Schwindel, <laughs> I'm pretty much done. Man, these guys. I, I do. I, I do like this Rafael Ortega kid that, that they called up. This kid's been playing. You know, Wisdom's playing okay. I mean, he you know he feels like you know one of the he feels like another Bodie David Bodie type, right? Where he's sort of that under the radar call up type guy, and he just he just hits. You know, he doesn't hit great, but he like he just he's just con- he's like a good constant guy. But but I tell you what, on a actual full like. MLB roster, you know, Patrick Wisdom is your fourth outfielder, not your everyday starting 
outfield. I want to make fun of the Cubs for having all these AAA all-stars on their roster. Now, Patrick Wisdom spent six years here in Memphis as a third baseman, and I'm not even exaggerating. Uh, Rafael Ortega was a Memphis outfielder for many years down here. I saw Frank Schwindel uh, come in constantly. Uh, is a quad uh, A player. That's what Frank Schwindel a, is. Schwindel is a longtime uh, Omaha yep. Storm chaser as a Triple A AAA Kansas City player. Yep. Uh, so they, I, I love to make fun of all of that, except for fucking Patrick Wisdom has been killing it. So I don't, I don't he's going to be a thirty-year-old uh, possible rookie of the year. So I can't really make too much fun of that. But <laughs> the, the larger point is they're bringing in a bunch of guys who are basically minor leaguers uh, to take yeah. the place of all the major league talent, and that completely blows. I don't know how you go from first place to 22 games out in the span of 55, 60 games. With with that roster, that's how you do it? With those guys? <sighs> yeah. And there's guys that are coming. There's lineups every day I look at and go, who? There's there, there, mm-hmm. starting pitchers. I have no idea who the hell they are. I mean, they've got Hendricks and guys. A whole it's, bunch it's, of guys. Yeah, this is this is this is a dark dark period right now for a franchise that worked really hard to become an every year contender to to just fall apart like that. I don't know if they. So I'm just why I'm curious because I don't see a plan right now. That's why I'm going to be watching this off season because you want to start to see these moves that are going to start to make you think. Oh, okay, there's a plan. If I right. see more moves along these lines. Oh man, I'll be pulling my hair. I mean, my hair is gray enough. <laughs> so I, next step's just to pull it out. Um, as far as my White Sox go, hey, uh, everything is is looking, uh, you know, thumbs up at the moment. Uh, they're going to yeah. cruise I mean, they, their they division. Got, that's a championship. A weak, weak <laughs> division too. <laughs> but that's what you got to hey, do, right? You, exactly. You got to beat up on the guys you're supposed to beat up on. Um, so they're clearly going to be in the playoffs. What's going to happen there is, is anyone's guess. But, look, they, they put themselves in a real good position. They've got a very good rotation, one of the best uh, in the game, as it turned out. Um, and you can't blame them at all for adding to having one of the best closers in baseball by acquiring one of the best closers in baseball to, to make a, a setup man out of. However, right. uh, it, it is kind of pulling my hair out. I don't have any It's been hair, a bit but... bumpy. Makes me want to pull my hair out because it it certainly appears that Kimbrell is one of those guys that you really don't want to trust him if it's not the ninth inning, if he's not closing out the game. He's kind of a a wild man out there. And that was being talked about about him, you know, before the trade, that Kimbrell's been real nice by the Cubs, but, boy, you don't want to trust him in in non-save situations. Yeah, don't put closers in in non-save situations. Those guys operate on a different frequency, you know. They, it sure seems like it. it look at Aroldis Chapman. Look at what happens yeah. when, when when he gets put into games and he's not – it's a, not a safe situation if he's got a six-run lead. He walks the bases loaded, and then he gets the eighth. <laughs> right. Almost. Yeah. It, it works. It, yeah. These guys need that, that – their job is to, to slam the door. Their job isn't to keep the ship afloat, you know – or, or hold a team at bay when you have an eight-run lead and just get your work in. If they don't come into that high-pressure cooker situation, it's a very rare breed of pitcher who, who you can rely on every day to do that. And it's got to be statistically proven what 
happens to these guys when you put them in a non-closed, you know, non-safe situations. I've seen closers lose their job just because of their manager using them and they're getting bombed in all these non-save situations, so their stats look bad, and then all of a sudden they get yanked from the closer role, even though they were perfectly fine in closing out games. But because, uh-huh. you know, they were misused, and all of a sudden they get yanked out of the job. It, it drives me crazy when I see it. I've seen that. I've seen guys that get bombed in non-save situations that it affects them and, and shakes them up. And so when ah, they go out sure. for save situations, now they're fucked up there too, and then eventually they have to get pulled. how bad Kimbrell was up until last year, the second half of last year, and then this year when he just suddenly became Craig Kimbrell again. Right. Um, I'm sure Tony LaRusso is not listening uh, to our podcast, but if he is, uh, Tony, you might want to consider – Putting in Mr. Kimbrell uh, in the ninth inning. I know Liam Hendricks, and I love Liam Hendricks. He's, he's foul mouthed. He's he's a crazy man. He's uh, Australian. He's cussing himself every time he throws a ball out there. The All Star game was hilarious to watch because he's in there in the ninth, and I'm you know the kids are in, should be in bed by that point because it's the ninth inning of an All Star game. There's no reason to keep him up that long. But if they were still up, then they heard some stuff because every ball he threw <laughs> that missed the strike zone. And he's like that during the regular season, too. Um, as much as I love Hendricks, the argument to put Kimbrell in in the ninth is very simply he can't really get it done if it's not the ninth inning. And Hendricks can because Hendricks made his bones as a setup man. He came up uh, as a setup yeah. guy and became the closer with Oakland only after you know other guys had failed. And so he can go back to that role because he's proven that he's the, the professional. Kimbrell's not quite that professional. Uh, so you might want to have to make him your guy in the ninth inning if you want to get the real value out of him. Because from what I've seen so far out of Kimbrell, I, I feel good. Him coming in in the eighth against the Yankees in the playoffs or something like that, I might have to turn the TV off at that point because I don't think I want to watch that. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. So, yeah, it's exciting. You know, you're going to get your yeah, – unless they completely – fall apart here. You're going to get you're going to get some postseason White Sox baseball, which you predicted. I did. Well, look at that lineup. I mean, I Yeah, no. They they they're loaded. They're loaded and they're in a terrible division. So that's the perfect recipe, right? And who yeah, expected the Twins to just do this? Yeah, they they liquidated themselves too. <laughs> that was without trading away the whole team. They they literally just fell apart. <laughs> yeah, they they dealt Cruz, but uh, everyone else just kind of melted before their their very yeah. eyes. So, and you know how much of that was inflated? How, you know, it was, is Mitch Garver really a thirty-five homer <laughs> a year guy? You know, but these home run numbers that they were putting up, you know, so that you know, obviously in hindsight, that was was due to end. It makes sense now. And Cleveland and Detroit and Kansas City, they're not going to contend. No, no, so. We'll see what the Guardians do next year, but no, they're, they're not oh, contenders. Oh, boy. <laughs> Man. And I only bring that up. I'm laughing because uh, WWE, uh, one of their early returns to live crowds was in Cleveland, and John Cena comes out there, and he makes a jo- It was like the day that they announced that they were going to be the Guardians, right? Oh. And he made a joke about, I'm changing in, in, in reference to the baseball team. Uh, I'm going to change my name. I'm going to be you know, John the Guardian or something like that. They booed so hard when he said that. So Cleveland doesn't like that whole Guardians thing. I don't know if everyone else around the country feels the same, but Cleveland is, is really, really mad about the uh, the. Is they kind of salty about this? You think? 
Yeah, they. Well, I mean, but think about it. It's their local team. It's that, you know when you grow up with the Indians, when you got everything around you is, is about the Indians, and then yeah. all of a sudden they're going to change and and become the Guardians. Yeah, I I actually understand the reaction of oh God, social justice and this is bullshit, and the Indians are good enough for all this time and blah blah blah. I, I get it. I'm I uh, am definitely on the side of changing the name because it is. Uh, it can be construed as uh, insensitive, especially with that mascot uh, Chief Wahoo, which they they got rid of that a couple years ago. Uh, but but it's, but it's not like I don't understand why they're they're angry. It's their their local team. It's their if the Chicago Bulls for whatever reason you know that there was something against Bulls all of a sudden we we, we can't uh, insult the uh, the cow and the bull anymore. We got to change the, the name <laughs> of the right. Bulls and changed it to the, you know, Chicago uh, Whackers or something stupid like that, I'd be pissed off too. Like, what the hell are you changing my team's name for? It's been good enough all this time now, you know. But, but I, I, I get it. But, yeah, they're they're not happy about the Guardians thing in Cleveland. Not, not happy at all. Yeah, I, I obviously gonna, don't have – I don't think they're going to sell a lot of Guardians merchandise. Be, be interested to hear the take on our, uh, you know, resident big Cleveland Indian fan that's in our uh, fantasy baseball league. Once that, <laughs> once that all goes down, if we have a live draft next year, which I, I really hope we do. I mean, we, we muddled our way through the online one, but there, there's nothing, nothing replaces the, the live version of that. So I'll be curious to see what happens the first time somebody nominates a player from the Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> oh, man, we, thought, gonna... we thought the Casey Blake death stare <laughs> was bad. I, I just, imagine he's, just we're going to have some some grunts and groans and and uncomfortable feelings from from Mr. O'Day about that. Yeah, he's <laughs> and and I also get a feeling if you put some drinks in him, he's really going to have some things to say about it. Uh, so possibly yes. Yeah, I mean that's that's Mr. Cleveland right there. So yeah, exactly. All right, I wanted to talk about uh, CM Punk a little bit, if you don't mind. No, I uh, saw that you had that in the write up, so. I know that you had posted on, uh, I think it was on Twitter that you posted something about that. You even changed your handle about this. So I could definitely tell this is something that affected you. Yes, DR Punk wants ice cream bars. That's, that's my new Twitter, Twitter handle. Um, so a week ago, uh, this past Friday, CM Punk returned to uh, pro wrestling in the United Center uh, in Chicago. And it was, uh, the reason it affected me was because it was what wrestling used to be. It was exciting. It was a big buildup that got fulfilled and actually uh, came through the way it was supposed to. It was everything uh, that you could imagine it to be. It was must-see TV. It was pure adrenaline, which is why I named the show Pure Adrenaline this week. Um, it, it was it was so good to, to see what pro wrestling can be because if you watched WWE exclusively, you basically keep getting a lesson every week in what wrestling used to be and isn't going to be right now because they don't know how to make stars. They don't know how to maintain the guys that they do have as stars. Um, Whereas CM Punk comes over and immediately uh, is a star and and moves the needle, which was hilarious because Roman Reigns was giving a a mainstream interviews before the CM Punk debut last week on uh, AEW Rampage. Uh, Roman Reigns was talking about, well, the reason CM Punk isn't here anymore and guys like him and, and Brian Danielson, guys like that, well, they don't really move the needle. They, you know, guys like me and John Cena and, and The Rock, we, we move the needle. We, and, and so CM Punk comes out on AEW Rampage and moves 1.1 million viewers 
on a Friday night show at 10 p.m. Eastern time. That's moving the needle, Roman. I don't know what you think moving the needle is. Yeah. That, that's moving the needle. Um, and we're talking like six, seven, eight million views on YouTube of that clip from last Friday by, by this point. Um, that's moving the needle. CM Punk, whatever you want to think of him, uh, definitely move the needle. Uh, live on TNT, there's a, a cable channel, by the way. So whatever uh, SmackDown did on Fox that same Friday night, uh, it wasn't the same time slot because Fox, because uh, SmackDown comes on a couple hours before the the AEW Rampage show. But whatever rating SmackDown might have gotten that was much bigger than, than Rampage, it's still moving the needle because SmackDown is on a fucking network and Rampage is on TNT and it's still cable. There's so many homes that do not have cable. Uh, some of them used to have cable and don't anymore. The people like you that, that cut for it. But for whatever the reason is, Fox still is in many, 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 many more homes than TNT. So to pull 1.1 million viewers to a cable network on Friday night when people are doing things other than watching TV is still uh, a very incredible number. And it's still a, a big uh, indicator of what CM Punk uh, has as far as star power goes. Uh, that's just nuts to, to pull that, that many viewers. Uh, and then just a little backstory on who, for those of you who aren't wrestling fans, and what's the big deal? Who's the CM Punk guy? CM Punk was a wrestler who uh, first time I saw him was in, in ring of honor back in 2005 in Chicago Heights in front of like, you know, 400 people or something like that. And he was getting ready to sign with WWE during that summer. And I saw his last uh, appearance in Ring of Honor. Um, And he, his theme song, like two minutes, 30 seconds, and it played and and came to an end and had to restart all over again because, and I'm at night, he was in Ring of Honor because that's how emotional he was. He couldn't come out to the ring yet. He was still, he was still in the back just crying. And when he finally, came to the curtain, his face was just soaked in tears. I'll never forget uh, being there and seeing that live. He was so emotional about getting ready to, to leave Ring of Honor and go to WWE, and everyone was happy for him, and, and everyone hoped that he would be uh, become a, a real big star. Um, and, of course, WWE didn't use him properly. They didn't, didn't know what – because he's not, you know, 6'5", 240. He's not some muscle-bound uh, big guy. He's a little skinny guy. Um, so they, they didn't really know what to make of him. They didn't get what made him popular. So they didn't really, uh, push him or let him speak much or let him do anything. Uh, eventually they got a little bit of a momentum behind him. He got a decent run. He won, uh, won the world title. He, they turned him heel. He had a, a faction. He became like a cult leader for a little while. Um, still not a huge, huge star, but at least they were doing something with him. And then got his real big break because of they let him cut a promo in 2011 that's known as the pipe bomb promo because he talked about I'm holding the microphone it's like a pipe bomb you're going to let me have an open mic I'm going to be able to say whatever I want to say and that's a big mistake and they let him do a big promo where he's talking about uh, everyone in charge here doesn't know what they're doing and uh, the the owner doesn't have any idea of Vince McMahon and the only time this place is going to get better is when he dies but that's maybe not going to do any better because his doofus son and his idiot daughter are going to take over and the idiot son-in-law uh, and so he's going on like that and they, and they cut his mic and it made it seem like okay he went over the line now we got to cut him off and make and it was it was great because it made people think that it was for real and got a lot of uh buzz around wrestling fans and so he became known as that guy like 
anytime he gets a microphone, look out because you don't know what he's going to say. And, and he uh, became a much bigger star uh, because of that. But people in charge really didn't like him. That you know that part was was legitimate. Uh, he didn't like them. They didn't treat him well. Treat him like shit. They didn't trust uh, when he had health issues and medical claims. They didn't trust him. They basically were having their doctors contradict his doctors. So the whole relationship broke down eventually. Uh, ultimately, they fire him the day of his wedding, which is obviously going to cause a, a lot of hard feelings uh, with him in WWE forever. So he's through with wrestling after that. All, all that BS. Um, he, he doesn't try to sign with any other company. He's He tries MMA for a while, but he wasn't very good at that. And so basically he went away and, you know, six, six and a half years. And now AEW comes along and, and becomes, you know, this company, brand new wrestling company out of the blue. They blow up uh, over the last couple of years and they become the uh, WWE alternative, basically. And it's, as I've already described many times on the show, what AEW seems to be from me as an outsider watching on TV, they seem to be like the theater company that's actually enjoying being in the theater. They actually are having fun. They're actually enjoying what they do. And WWE is like the Broadway theater company that's all about uh, the professionalism and keeping our, our sponsors happy and making sure that we're hitting our cues on time. And it doesn't look like they're enjoying what they're doing at all because they're so nervous uh, trying to make sure that they're, they're hitting their cues on time and getting their lines right. That it, it, It's not even fun to watch WWE right now because they're, they're just, they're, there's no fun about it. There's no spontaneity. There's no creativity. And AEW seems to have all the, the creativity and whatnot. So now they finally strike the deal with CM Punk to get him to, to come back. And they, it's a perfect place for him. Uh, they respect each other. They respect wrestling. Punk respects them. It, it, it's really a perfect marriage. And the way they build up the turn this past Friday was like all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, they just announced, uh, by the way, we're, we got a new show on TNT, a new Friday night show, in addition to their Wednesday night show. We got a new Friday night show. We're going to come to the United Center in Chicago uh, where the Bulls play, so you know it's you know big ass stadium. So you you know basically you know if they're coming to the United Center, they must have something huge planned because no wrestling company wants to spend that much to to rent out a, a you know eighteen thousand seat basketball arena and have like three thousand people show up. That's just embarrassing. That's WCW shit. Nobody wants to do that. So they don't ever announce that CM Punk is coming, but they have one of their more popular wrestlers, Darby Allen, cut a promo about I'm. We're, we're coming to the United Center, and I'm really going to want to be there because I want to take on whoever is in the United Center. I want to be there, and I want to take on anybody, even if they think they're the best in the world. And that was CM Punk's tagline. It was best. And so this is two weeks of everybody knows that CM Punk is signed with AEW is going to be there in Chicago, <laughs> right. in his hometown at the United Center. It really was brilliant the way they they, they never, ever said CM Punk's name on TV before last Friday night. So the, 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 the anticipation all day for, for me and for other wrestling fans, it was like what, what, again, what wrestling used to be when they used to be able to uh, build big events and build big things that are going to happen on, on, you got to tune in on, on Monday night raw because, you know, stone Cold's going to be there. And, and, you know, going back to that, that era, um, it was great. So all day I'm, I'm, I'm hyped about it. I'm texting my uncle. I'm asking him, is he going to go out there? And he 
decided not to go. He thought about it when when it was first announced, but he decided not to. But it, it was – I don't blame him because it was going to be a zoo. I, I knew it was going to be a zoo, and it absolutely was a zoo. Uh, but I was ready. Uh, you know, when the show came on, I was in front of the TV. I was making sure I was watching. So, you know, 1.1 other million people, obviously, and they, they start the show, and they hit his, his theme music. He's using uh, Cold of Personality by Living Color, great rock song. Um, and everybody knew, uh, you know, when that music hit, that that was CM Punk. So it was it was great. The crowd. I, I don't know if I've ever heard a pop that big. It was that loud. Um, they they cut to one fan at one point for a really brief time, maybe two seconds. They cut to one fan in the crowd, face soaked in tears, pointing out at CM Punk and and. Uh, it was just so obvious that it was, you know, really touching him that, that that he was finally here and everyone was cheering and it was crazy. Of course, you know, WWE idiots, uh, you know, their fans on the internet making fun of the, the crying guy and, and oh, that that was fake or what a pussy stuff like that. Uh, I would not have been crying if I was in the middle of that, but I would have felt the emotion because. Again, six and a half years away from wrestling, guys in his, his early 40s, you know, there's no guarantee we'd ever see him again. But now he's back. It's his hometown. Everyone went crazy. It was great. It was just, and, and like I said, the, the anticipation all day was what was also great about it was was going to work and coming home, just that, that event feeling, you know, uh, similar to what football fans are going to feel, uh, you know, this coming Thursday night. Uh, not this Thursday, but the week after that, when the football season is going to start. Okay, the, the Buccaneers are coming back and taking the field, and you, you're going to have that anticipation all day that you know when you get home, it's going to be a big event. Football is going to be back, right? It was just like that. It's that same feeling for wrestling fans, that you know the event when I get home tonight is it, it, such a big deal and is something that has been sorely missing in, in pro wrestling. And I was just happy to be a small part of it uh watching at home and I was even more thrilled when he cut his promo because uh, we always joke about people listening to the show or or you know ripping us uh ripping off things that we do and stuff like that. I tweeted out you mentioned that I was tweeting about it. I tweeted before uh Friday night before the show started. I tweeted about thinking back to CM Punk the last time he was in the Chicago ring before uh, Vince McMahon got a hold of him in his goodbye match to Ring of Honor and how emotional he was and I was there and I saw that he couldn't even come out because he was so emotional face was covered in tears and he lives for big moments like this this, this show this last Friday night just like the fans uh, and that's why it was going to be such a big deal and just everybody should enjoy what's going to happen tonight so then CM Punk gets in the ring and starts talking about the last time he was in a ring in Chicago before WWE was when he said goodbye to Ring of Honor. And it was such an emotional night. And he remembered that how emotional he was because he knew he was leaving behind <laughs> a bunch of guys that he was uh, trying to hype up and, and, and train and get ready for the, the to be the future. And now he's back in Ring of Honor uh, where he can have more big moments just like this, where he can hype up and, and train younger guys and, and bring them into the into the next wave and be the future of pro wrestling. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. It's like Sam was, was, was reading my tweets. You read uh, your speech. So yeah, that's right. So I, I just wanted to talk about how big that was. 
and WWE, you know, they they've got such a a huge head start when it comes to any other wrestling company. They liquidated the the guys that were around same, you know, as long as they were, you know, NWA, WCW. They they bought them out. They're gone. Any other wrestling company that comes along is obviously much much younger than WWE. So they got such a big jump as far as like mainstream and uh, being recognized. But AEW is coming on quickly because they're doing the right things. They're doing the things that the fans want to see. They're not trying to disappoint. It feels like WWE tries to disappoint their fans. You don't watch WWE very often, but you can speak to this. When you you do watch around WrestleMania time, it does not seem like they do things almost to antagonize their viewers. Like, they do so many things that make you go, why are they doing this? Nobody wants to see this. Why are they taking this avenue uh, when they could be doing this other thing? It's just so aggravating sometimes to watch WWE because it feels like they're doing exactly the opposite of, of what they should be doing a lot of the time. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously they they love them some them, right? I mean. Oh, yeah. So there's that aspect of it. And, you know, and obviously in a – scripted storyline driven you know industry that essentially ends up being about sweaty women and sweaty guys punching each other you only have so many stories i think that you can that you can trot out right because they're all basically versions of the same story so what they're in love with now is sort of the like subverting the expectations i think of people Mm-hmm. And, and and not relying on the tropes of of of, the, of it, but they're doing it almost, I think, too much. Versus just you know know who you are, lean into what you are, and and give the people what they want. Yeah, every now and then, at least not all the time, but yeah, every right. now and then, actually give the fans what they came to see for once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that you know it. But, you know, it's all about the swerve, right? You know? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's from 20 years ago. You got to get over that. Trying to <laughs> trying to always make people, oh, I didn't see that coming. Uh, no. I, I used the swerve right, right? I used that term right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know? The old Vince Russo thing. Was, yeah. Hey, we, we pulled a swerve on them. They didn't see that coming. Yeah. No, it's all they, about the no, swerve. <laughs> but, but, no, you, you can't be about the swerve anymore. When you... When you're about to swerve, your audience was in their, you know, thirties and were reacting to the swerve. Right. They oh were, my god, I never saw that. That's when that everybody was in on the joke, right? Well, they were younger. They're they're in right. on the joke now, but they were younger and more apt to react to that as if it's it's a big deal or you know, as if it's some sort of entertainment value just to, to be swerved. Your audience is old now if you're WWE. Your audience is in your 50s or, or late, you know, mid-late 40s like me. Uh, the swerve doesn't really do anything for me. The swerve after two hours of investing my time in your product is more of a spit in my face because it's like, what did I just sit here and watch? Like, why was I sitting through this just to get to the end and you pull this stupid-ass swerve? And, and what does it mean? What's the point? You know, now, okay, are, now you've got Roman Reigns you... is a, is a guy okay are you the target audience though i don't know anymore i don't know what their target is like i don't know if they're actually getting the 50 year olds that's actually 
uh, watching the the product or if they're tr- still trying to target the the thirty year old bros and uh, and, the, yeah. and the the college or, students or, or whatnot. kids. I mean, are they targeting like you know like you're you know you were watching this guy you know for, since what first second grade on right. You know, I mean, well, they, I don't know what 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 their demo is really. What like what's their key demo? Uh, I know who's watching. I know I don't know who they're trying to get to watch, but I know who's uh, mostly watching now. Most of their audience is fifties. That's who's watching because that's what your uh, pro, that's what your product is is, right. is, is basically geared towards <clears throat> is the old guys that right. uh, you know. That's the that's uh, the hard part because your audience is the people who've seen it all. Yeah. So, but look, AEW comes along. Uh, their audience is the same wrestling fans, so it's the same people that have yeah. seen it all. But the difference is AEW is actually giving them what they want to see, and as a result, they're bringing in more fans, younger fans, because the old people that watch it and actually see things that you want to see, like CM Punk, are now turning to younger people, maybe the the kids in their house uh, in in their situation, maybe their nieces and nephews and they're saying, hey, this thing is cool. Come watch this with me. No one's turning to their nieces and nephews or their sons and watching WWE and saying, you got to watch Roman Reigns and Edge and Goldberg. You got to watch these. No one's saying that. (laughs) Yeah, because think about all these old timers that are being dug up from the grave. You know, and what do we talk about? Every single WrestleMania preview show that we do when we bring on Jerry, the wrestling expert, what do we talk about? What do you guys lament about the most? The lack of the new blood, right? The why can't the, they the create dredging, new the, the dread the dredging up of old old stars and digging these guys up and bringing them out of the retirement home for for the last stand was I mean that has become you know all these guys trying to hang on to their old glory is really all this is now kind of like the guy who probably runs the league. Uh, you think? Yeah, they're trying to live in the glory years and and, and bring them back and just keep bringing them back. This is why you and, don't. This is why you don't cultivate uh, new stars, but it's also why you don't bring in new fans. Exactly, the same thing over and over and over and over. And to prove that point, anyone who could complain about oh AEW is going old, they brought in CM Punk, who's in his early forties, right? Well, WWE had their SummerSlam pay-per-view last weekend. In one of their title matches, it was Bobby Lashley versus Bill Goldberg. Both of those men are older than CM Punk. In the other world title match, they had Roman Reigns versus Edge. Edge is older than CM Punk. You cannot integrate AEW for bringing in old guys like CM Punk and Chris Jericho when WWE has world title matches with guys older than them. What are we doing? What are we talking about? The difference is AEW has many, many other younger stars that are coming up behind the uh, uh, Jerichos and CM Punks right now. And uh, <coughs> and they're mixing them in that you know CM Punk's first match is going to be uh, at their pay-per-view in a couple weeks. It's going to be against Darby Allin, who is you know, 40 years old. He's like 30, I think. So he's going to immediately jump in with younger guys and start uh, creating new stars with, with younger guys. And that's the whole point is find a way to create new stars. That's what everyone has been talking about 
with WWE. Why can't you create any new stars? Um, and the, the reason is because they, they don't want to. They, they see all the old guys, and they think that's the key, is just keep bringing back the old guys that were around in 2000 when we were at our hottest, and eventually people will come around. No. <laughs> all you're doing is keeping your, your target audience in their, in their 50s. Uh, and, and I don't think that's who they're trying to target, but that's who they have right now. Right. See, so you're you're appreciating the 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 you know the comeback of of CM Punk turns into a, a conversation on the sad state of the WWE, which we have a lot on this show. Pretty much. Well, I'm, I'm through with that rant. Uh, we're uh, completely yeah. uh, out of time. Uh, yeah, no, I think no you just blew music. your your voice box too. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, uh, in the after after show, um, so yeah. Unless you have anything else, I guess we'll shut it down here and uh, our NFL preview coming up next yeah, week. Yeah, well, yeah, you have to get your you have to get your voice back for the uh, the three hour, <laughs> uh, two night NFL preview, um, which will be that that was always fun. You know what? See how see what we agree on, what we disagree on, and then we get to make our first pick. On that Wednesday night, I believe that's Dallas and Tampa, mm-hmm. um, the first game, and then come back for the football party. So it, it, it's I can't believe it's it's just around the corner. I mean, kids go back to school on Wednesday. Um, summer's over. It's football season time, and I'm not ready. I'm not either. Uh, I, I was just talking to my wife about all the work that I do to get ready for the NFL preview and looking through every team and trying to figure out, you know, who I want to put up first and second and third and fourth in each division. And yeah. uh, that that's uh, that's what I'll be working on Labor Day, I'm pretty sure, uh, getting ready for that. Uh, and it's already next week, that, that fast. And then the week oh, after yeah, that, we'll week be in from Cancun. Tuesday, so nine days, we'll be doing our our preview. I'm assuming that will be the AFC preview. Uh, yeah, because the yeah. NFC preview will be because the NFC won the Super Bowl. Uh, we usually yeah. will do them on the day that we uh, make the pick. Mm-hmm. And that's and also an that, NFC game, so that makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense that the champs are playing on Thursday night, so sure, we'll, we'll definitely yeah. get into the, the Buccaneers so, on on Wednesday. So we'll do AFC yeah. preview on Tuesday the ninth, seventh, mm-hmm. seventh, and then it, Wednesday Labor 8th, Day. we'll do the NFC preview. Yeah, day after Labor Day, and then ninth is Thursday night football. This right. can't believe and, it. <laughs> Already, that's it. Yeah, and the week after that, you're on a cruise or out of you're in mexico right we're in Cancun, so you go just, uh, so you're just resort. missing so you would just be missing that show on the 18th um yeah um right because we're, we're not back uh in 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 the states by then um i and i don't know what the situation will be in in these resorts so you know if i'd be able to right uh, come on to the show, or, or if oh, I did come in. on, it would, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would be as a as a guest, um, right? But that would be the you know, real. What I mean thing. is, you're not missing like multiple shows. You're just missing no, one no, no. Show on the 18th, right. and then you're back on the week three. That's right. All right. Yep. Well, don't worry. Me and the kids will we'll make it. We'll make it memorable. <laughs> Looking forward to it. 
All right. All right. So to recap, Tuesday, September the 7th, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern, our AFC preview show for the upcoming 2021 NFL season. And then come back the next night, Wednesday, September the 8th, our NFC preview show. And we'll make our first pick of the season, of course, for the Thursday night opener between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. The NFL just around the corner. All right, that will do it. Uh, He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been Kings of Non Sequitur, our last KONS show of the offseason. We'll be back with our actual full full blown start to to the season, which starts with our uh, NFL preview. Uh, we'll have new theme music for that. I've already got that uh, recorded and figured out. Um, I'll take the opportunity to say uh, thanks to our previous theme music for the last couple of years. Uh, it was called Deep of the Street by Jeremy Guerriere, and the link to that song is always in our uh, in our credits uh, on our podcast. Um, so new theme music and new season starting up next week. Everything is getting ready for our ninth season of our podcast. Can't believe that either. Are we going to be nine years of this coming up on 10? That's, that's crazy. All right. We will talk to you Tuesday, next Tuesday, to start our NFL preview. And everybody, have a good evening. We'll talk to you then.